Welcome to Jewels for Life podcast. As you already know, I'm your host, Azandi of Righteous Jewels, and you're tuned in to The Vantage Point. Here, we hope to inspire Nubian Melanonites all across the globe to look at their lives and look at the world from a different vantage point, a vantage point that propels them towards awakening and Black liberation through action. So we bring on different speakers, great scholars, philosophers, theologians, doctors, professionals, um, because we acknowledge their contribution of their just their intellectual consciousness that they give to us that we can use as a tool in our everyday fight against racism, white supremacy. So I don't know about y'all, but today I'm especially excited because we have with us a hit maker, okay, by the name of Jack Knight. Um, we appreciate Jack Knight being here with us today. Um, those of you who say, I don't know who Jack Knight is. When we're done with this introduction, you may come to find out you know exactly who he is. Jack Knight is a proven leader and innovator in the entertainment and social media field. He has contributed to selling over 100 million records worldwide and has helped who we know as Diddy or Puff Daddy turn the bad boy music label into a billion dollar mega brand. Jack Knight has remained true to his craft of songwriting, producing, and mentoring new talent for the past 15 years. His chart-topping success has spanned over two decades and has enabled him to work by work side by side with such talents and luminaries such as Jennifer Lopez, Little Kim, Jay-Z, and many more. He is a multi-platinum record producer who previously wrote songs such as what we're going to hear now. So let's take a listen. I know you couldn't help but jam because I was over here wow. in the corner. I don't think I was supposed to be jamming. Yeah. Um, and so in addition to that, he is an author of the book, The Art of Writing Hit Songs, The Urban Experience, and has traveled to Africa and Europe to promote social change and education for young people around the world. So we want to first off, thank you for being on with us today, Jack Knight. I really want to say thank you for the song, seriously, Woo! but... Uh, <laughs> Man, that intro, I was like, man, is that, that's, that's me she's talking about. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, today we want to have a conversation um, and we want to also get to know you in the process. So I'm going to try to do a two for one, if we, if you don't mind, and we try to combine the two together, get to know yes. who you are, but also have you convey this information that, you know, you were brought here to do today. Yes. Um, so just to start off, what, is your favorite song? What kind of what kind of music did you grow up listening to? What's your favorite kind of music? Wow. Um, first and foremost, I want to say thank you for the beautiful intro and just seeing all the stuff I've done all these years. Kind of just man, it gives me goosebumps just seeing you know all the stuff. And um, but for me, uh, I grew up in 
um, New York. And there's a section of New York called East New York. And by the way, that's the new name, my, my new record label, East New York Records. And growing up in East New York, it was a truly a melting pot. You had, you know, you had salsa, merengue, bachata music coming from the barbershop or the corner store. Mm -hmm. Then you had Caribbean music uh, coming from your friend's parents' house and Haitian music and African music and R&B and jazz. So it was a huge melting pot for people. And it was a huge melting pot for just music and all different genres. And in my house, um, we had three levels. And, you know, one level was my mom. She was rocking whatever was popping in the late 70s, which was Curtis, which was hip hop is coming out, Curtis Blow and um, all the, you know, early hip hop artists. And in the middle floor, my grandparents, they were playing Bobby Womack and a lot of soulful music, Al Green. And, you know, what I mean, then upstairs, you might get my great grandparents. They was playing stuff from the 50s and 40s, you know, big band mm -hmm. music. So going from floor to floor, I just got a, a real good, a good range of sound of music in, in my home. Mm -hmm. And I also got a good range of sound of music just by going outside, you know, East New York, you know, that's it's just so much you hear, you know, cars passing by stores. So a nice, mm -hmm. nice, good, good influx of music. Yes. So having that experience with your grandparents and then their parents on the next floor, I know that had to one not only influence the music, but just certain principles, morals, um, you know, that they bring to the table uh, that they instill in you. So that experience, I know, had to be unique. Um, yes. So how did that experience, along with the music that they played, influence your art, influence your, you know, your preference in music? How did that mold and shape your you know your experience wow that's a good that's a good question um it's interesting uh musically of course you see how that can be you know musically you hear all these different sounds you have to be influenced by it and when it when it was time for me to work on a project for myself or for anyone i kind of draw upon all of those influences and pete and that's why i've had so much success because i'm able to hear some of the nuances of music um, and know what to put in the music uh, kind of get the consumer wanting to stream it, wanting to buy it. And that comes from being from New York. And I know a lot of consumers grew up just like me. They were influenced by a range of music. So sometimes I might put a jazz horn in a hip hop track. Sometimes you might add some Prince Lynn drums to last to the song last night where you, you hear in Prince, but it's not Prince. So all of those influence allow me to do different genres of music. In terms of finances, finances are very important because you need to have capital to be free to create. Because sometimes when you make music or you have a record label or you have a deal with a label or you have a management company, whatever it is, it's gonna take time to develop. And having um, that house uh, eventually, you know, my grand, my grandparent, my grandparents passed away. My great grandparents passed away. My mom passed away. So mm -hmm. they left me the house. And when I sold the house, I was able to take some of that money and once again, invest it into my music. So, uh, mm -hmm. generational wealth, real estate business is helpful to, you know, someone like me who wants to be an entrepreneur. So those, those, those two things were very important financially and just being able to draw from what I heard growing up and put that into my music. Right, right. Okay, now have you ever played any instruments? Um, and you know, if so, I know that also contributed towards your art. So if, if you have played an instrument, let us know what it was. And at that point, did you realize music, this is for me, this is my thing. When did you know this is my path? Wow. Um, I want to say I started off rapping at first. I was rapping. And in high school, we had a little rap group called Stage Kings. And it was me and another guy, uh, Mixed Machine Ace. He was our DJ. My man, Mark Stokes, um, who's called Shadow now. He's a big music executive with um, 300 Entertainment. And we would be in the lunchroom. We'd just be banging on a table. We didn't have no no drums and no instruments and no, you know, uh, none of the stuff they use now to make records. We use what we what we could use. And uh, we were rapping. And then eventually, 
that led to going into the studio. And it was a studio downtown Brooklyn. It was called Funky Slice Studios. And it's a, it's a mm-hmm. famous studio because Biggie went there. Um, I went there. Jay-Z, a bunch of people went to Funky Slice. So at that point, then we'd be, you know, we started to take the music from the lunchroom and put into actual recording and stuff like okay. that. And for me, that was cool. But once again, I just kind of felt my ancestors, my, my my grandparents calling me. And, and I said, man, I got to, you know, enhance my craft and get better. So at that mm-hmm. point, I started learning guitar. I got guitars all around here. So, I, you know, okay. I started, mm-hmm. started, you know, self-taught with guitar, um, started learning a little bit piano. And, um, you know, that helps you write songs, too, as well, having a bass, a bass melody that you can, mm-hmm. you know, start from. So that was very helpful. And I'm still practicing, still getting better every day. My mm-hmm. kids, they surpassed me. They play... <laughs> You know, okay. all types of instruments and stuff like that. So, you know, I would just leave them around the house and then they would just pick them up as, as opposed up. to trying to make them, you know, pick a path to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK, so now you've been around at a time where you've seen the changes in music, you know, yeah. back when music had a message because music is very powerful. And at one point it carried a message of, you know, black excellence, black pride, you know, back when we had like public enemy um. KRS-One, X-Clan, things like that. And then things begin to shift over time. So can you tell us about that, the change that took place? And what did you observe um, as far as the change that also took place in our people, you know, and their their behaviors and their outlook as the music shifted? How did the people also shift from what you observed at that time? Wow. Wow. That's a great question. One of my... uh mentors and one of my teachers growing up because i always listen to the ogs you know whether it's a bishop whether it's an imam rabbis uh the brother in the neighborhood who was the you know the uh, nation whoever it was giving me knowledge i always would make time to listen and try to implement some of the things that they taught me you know and um one of the teachers i had he had a revelation or an epiphany one day he said he was in the studio one day and he was looking at the console, how the music waves go back and forth. And he said it, it dawned on him that they say the devil is in the details, but he realized mm-hmm. that there was a form of energy or disagreeable energy that was also in the actual frequency of mm-hmm. the drum machine. Because a drum machine is a mechanical way to play drums. It's not, it's not how we play drums you know, as whether it's come from Africa or slaves or whatever you want to call it, you know, that was authentic drums, real hands. The drum pads and the drum machine came into play. And then you started seeing different cultures and different people that couldn't dance. All of a sudden they could dance mm-hmm. because they started uh, syncopating the drums. So they were more, they were more um, in tune and in line with their soul alignment and how they did things. And that all started from the drum machine because prior to that, in the seventies and the sixties and the fifties and the forties, it was live drums. It was live kunga. It was live percussion. And you brought Mm -hmm. all those people in from the union and you paid them their fee, but it was all live and it felt alive. And then fast Mm -hmm. forward, uh, once you got to, I think probably mid late eighties, they started using the drum machine and the ASR 10 and different, and different machines that sample. They started sampling more. So I think music, they say, um, what is what is a salt without its flavor? You know, and, and what is music or what are, what are our people, you know, without, without the soul? So I believe mm-hmm. the, drum, the drum machine contributed to the music losing its soul. Everything became sampled in different bits and it started losing... Yes different texture and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's, it's a very interesting epiphany and philosophy he had. And and to add on, he stated that one of the uh, children's books where it speaks about the Pied Piper and how the Pied Piper was able to lead the children from the town by playing a flute. Mm. All that. Yes. So Pan, um, Pan, will obviously be used in modern times the same way. 
We mm. just lead the children or lead, you know, our people to a, to a darker path and less, less balance in that path. So um, I don't okay. know if I answered the question, but that's when you, okay. you had seen a bunch of stuff and my, you know. <laughs> yes. No, because you brought it to where, I, you know, I was going to bring the conversation there eventually. I'm like, we're going to definitely get into frequencies, definitely get into the synthetic sound. So now not only did the message change what you're saying is they synthesized the sound of the music the african drum no more no longer did we have real sound real music now within that how do how does that work today because it seems as though we have to kind of adapt to music even those like myself who might like certain old school songs or like certain old r&b or jazz or hip whatever it is it's kind of hard that you don't adapt you know, where the music has gone or taken yes. us. And that doesn't mean you have to listen to, you know, the mumble rap and all of that. But in some way, you have to adapt. You see Beyonce, she's in there rapping now in the studio. So it's, it's yeah. funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, how does that work in your craft and what you do? How do you still keep your authenticity and 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 adapt as well with this synthetic sound, with the, the mixed messaging and everything that's taking place today, if that makes any sense. Yes, it's definitely is, you know, how we, we learn about, um, and I know you definitely know about this, about, about my, uh, about yes. balance. Yes. Yes. And I think uh, there was music that was semi-violent back in the early 90s, late 80s. And, and I have it this conversation with somebody the other day. But the only thing about it, you, you had on, groups like Onyx and, you know, people in their raps, you know, talking about, you know, if you do this, I'm going to pull out my gun. And But the kids these days obviously took it to a whole nother level. They're actually yeah. really doing it. But right. it just was a balancement. You know, you had Tribe Core Quest, then you had Onyx. You know what I'm saying? You had Big Daddy Kane, then you had Biggie and Jay-Z. Jay you know, well, they came a little bit later, but it was a, a, a nice balance of music mm -hmm. so even if someone was talking crazy there was someone else talking about something positive and okay. i think what happened fast forward um the music has lost its balance everybody is shooting you everybody is talking about sexual acts in music there is no balance there's no right so you know, chaos. <laughs> yeah so yeah that's so, so basically you know mm -hmm. i think for me I just got to stay true, true to my roots. And that's why when I started my label, which I just started three years ago, um, okay. it was mostly behind the scenes. And mm -hmm. I decided to start my label and I started with Afro beat on somebody mm -hmm. added the S Afro beats, but he says it's really Afro beat and started by Fela Kuti in Nigeria. And now it's one of the biggest forms and fastest growing forms of music on the scene next to Latin music. And I think for me, someone would say, you know, Jack Knight was down with Diddy and Bad Boy. He's from New York. Why would he start his label with an Afrobeats artist? Um, mm -hmm. And one reason is because I grew up around Africans in mm -hmm. New York because it's a melting pot. Mm -hmm. And I grew up around mm -hmm. Caribbean music and all types of music. So for me, I wanted my label to be an expression of what I grew up on. Yes, and yes. so it was, you know, it was an obvious fit for me to start with an Afrobeats artist. And next, next thing is that they're using real instruments: Wizkid, mm, okay, Burner Burn Boy, uh, Fire Boy, um, our artist Kitty. They all implement. They might have some some drum sounds for the kick, and they might have a you know uh, a bass sound that's from the, the machine. But mm -hmm. they add a, another bass onto it. They add horn okay. and saxes, and they add real instrumentation. And um, if you listen to Kitty's album, it's called The Golden Boy. If you listen to Wiz, Wizkid's last album, Essence, you just feel the soul of the music. You feel it right mm -hmm. here in your, mm -hmm. they call it solar plex, right? In the, yeah. right in your middle. You, feel, you feel when it comes on, you know, how music's supposed to feel. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I think it's all art and everyone, you know, should express themselves how they feel fit, but just bringing that balance back, bringing real instrumentation back, you know, you feel good. You don't want to kill nobody after you hear a song. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you, know, you yeah. want to, 
you want to make love, you want to be in love, you want to be successful, you want to, you know, you know, whatever. Um, like back in the days, they had songs like "Wake Up Everybody," yeah. oh, sleeping in bed, no more backwards thinking, time for thinking ahead. You know how many people need songs like that? Yes. I mean, people going through depression, people mm-hmm. um taking meds, and they off their meds, and I think that's you know, one of my jobs, um, and that's one of my gifts, and that's what I want to bring to this planet, to my culture, just a balanced music template. Okay, now, you know, because you brought up um, Burner Boy, Wizkid, and um, Kitty, I want to kind of speak about how did you, how did you make that relationship work? Because what we've been taught, or what they, uh, you know, tried to let us see from this scope over to the continent is that, you know, it's a divide, you know, we shouldn't partner with each other. It's, it's this divide that, you know, has been portrayed. So how did you merge that relationship together and make it work and able to let them see your perspective, your vantage point, and you see theirs? Wow. It was a, a real fine line, delicate project to do because I knew a lot was on the line. It wasn't just me discovering an artist overseas. It was a black American uh, working for the first time with a, you know, African from Ghana and making that work where I grew up on R&B. Well, excuse me, I'm known for doing R&B, but I grew up on all types of music and trying to merge those two worlds. So when I initially started my label, um, I started, just writing songs, just writing and producing songs and started sending them to people uh, in China and Germany, different people. I also want, I just want to work outside of my comfort zone. And okay. um, I started with China and worked with a few artists out there, BB Zhao, uh, Jaiki Junyi, and they would basically take my songs and they would put them, you know, with their, in the Chinese language. So that was fun. Then okay. I worked with a, um, another artist in Germany named um, Adel Tawil, and he's an Arab guy, but he's huge in Germany, and did the same thing. Did a song for him, he put it in German, and that was mm. fun. So I said, you know what? I want to do something in Africa, you know? Mm. And I, I got in contact with a brother uh, named Vic, and he introduced me to a brother named Tango, and who lives in Ghana, and I said, hey, man, is anybody out there, you know, doing any music or any people that I can collaborate with? And he says, yes. And it was Kitty's camp. Kitty had a whole camp of people that were popping out there. So I kept sending songs, but Kitty was the only one sending them back done. Like I would Mm. send my track and my lyrics. He would send the beat made up crazier than what I I sent him. He would add lyrics to it, put a little bit in his language. And Mm -hmm. and then I sent another one and he sends it back. I Mm -hmm. sent another one. He sent it back. So I said, man, this is, this is crazy. And he had a, he had a great mm-hmm. look and he had a great voice where he did speak in Ghanaian and he did, you know, have the little flow, but he also had a great singing voice comparable okay. to Chris Brown, you know, somebody. Mm-hmm. So that started that process. And then I did a memorandum of agreement on Ghanaian letterhead, you know, with their system just saying, hey, if I work with you and do this, then we're going to do X, Y, Z. And that was the first thing. So I took my own money. I invested in him and I started promoting him outside of Africa. And, okay. the, first, and the first song we did uh, went viral was a song called Say Cheese. Mm, that yes. went viral. And after that went viral, then the labels started coming. And that technique is what we call uh, making the honey sweet so mm. the bees will attract. And that's what everything I do in life, I always just start, make it hot, make it fly, make the honey sweet. And then the bees came. And then by that time, uh, Kitty's real professional, real on point. And I would have never knew that. I never, I never really been to Ghana or Nigeria. And you watch stuff on TV, not knowing there are people there doing stuff in science and music and different things. And um, his camp was pretty tight. And it, it helped me out being during the pandemic. I couldn't go there. He couldn't come here. So we mm-hmm. worked, on this, worked the computer on all the platforms. And we worked together day and night you know, sometimes 18 hours a day and um, mm. we got it done. And it, and it was a special, a special thing for music, for my label, 
but it was also special, like you said, me coming together with, with my brother, my long lost brother. Right. Yes, that's dynamic, yes. Hard when it's egos involved, different mm -hmm. cultural stuff involved, different beefs involved, you know, like they, they sold us into slavery. So we, you know, there's a lot of deep entrenched things. And um, we put all that stuff aside, got over all of that, and we made history. Hmm. Now, does, is that the beginning of, uh, you know, forging other relationships with different artists um, of the continent now? Are you are you definitely looking into, you know, working with other artists? Oh, 100 percent, 101 percent. I'm looking at working with different artists. This worldwide. If it's if it's okay. um, if it's Mexico, if it's uh, Australia, if it's mm -hmm. um wherever um vietnam i got some artists I'm, I'm i'm looking at from vietnam and these mm -hmm. people can, these, these kids around the world can really sing they really studied our music they, they did their research they're producing they're writing um it's just not as hard as before because a lot of these kids are now more self-contained so all i do is mm -hmm. kind of you know just guide them if they want me to write a song for them i can but i don't have to i'm just here to just guide and you know and kind of broaden their you know broaden their fan base and stuff like that so i'm definitely interested in working with other artists from from, from, from uganda kenya nigeria liberia mm -hmm. south africa sudan uh i love mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot of sudanese music i grew yeah. up so i'm interested be, love to work with an artist who plays the ud you know what i'm saying that'd be cool yeah. my label you know that's different mm -hmm. you, know, you play the ud mm -hmm. and write music over the over you know the ud style yeah. sound, you know so Definitely, definitely excited about the future. That would be great to hear. Yes. So how do this is this is what I'm really wondering. You know, how do you keep conscious messaging involved in your writing and you helping, you know, these artists today? Is that even possible? How do you make that a reality for us to still broadcast the message in a society of corrupt? <laughs> you know, subliminal messaging. How do we make that, you know, something that's possible again? Wow. So I don't want to go too deep on you, but I think <laughs> words are powerful. Words help. You know, sermons help. Positive lyrics help. But in this day and time, I think it's a more so a war of intellect. And um, when you read certain books of old, whether scriptures or different things or lost books, they speak about there was war as an intellect. It wasn't a normal war. And I think this, this war we're in is a war, is a sonic, it's a sonic war, it's a war of sound, mm -hmm. it's a war of sound and color, um, frequency, hurts, different mm -hmm. type of war. And I think for me, uh, making the frequency and the music and the base of the music to combat the negative is 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 what is my approach. Because if you mm -hmm. listen to drill music, you hear the dark sounding chords. Right. And then yes. they're talking about kill, murder, rob, cheat, kill, and the yeah. chords match the disagreeableness that they're kicking. So right. so in essence is like, you know, when I make a track or I pick tracks for my artists to do is usually tracks that are on that frequency, those hurts that I feel is going to empower the planet and empower the plants to grow, empower someone not to commit suicide. Um, for instance, there's a record I did. It's called um, Live Like a Warrior. And it's by an mm -hmm. artist called Matis Yahoo. He's a Jewish, he was a Jewish rapper. And then he started getting more into singing and stuff like that. And I worked on a few of his albums. But this one song called Live Like a Warrior, I had made it because my daughter was dealing with some stuff in school. She was dealing with some issues with bullying and just not, you know, we was at a point where we, we had to live in this neighborhood and she had to go to the school. And she was really brought up different. And she had a lot of difficulty at first. And I, I wrote this song so if she ever had any thoughts or she was depressed or even thoughts of wanting to hurt herself, I wanted her to reflect and hear the song, or anyone for that matter, and it can change their, change their mind. And this song, Live Like a Warrior, if you look at it, you get a chance, uh, look at all the comments under the word video, and it's mm -hmm. really like powerful that thousands and thousands and thousands of people worldwide hit us up in the DM saying, hey, I was going to commit suicide, 
I was going to kill myself. I heard, this song. And I heard mm. this song and I totally, it totally changed my mind. Mm. Mm. That song didn't go number one on Billboard. It didn't go number one on the R&B charts, but it changed mm -hmm. people in a digital realm who made us been on a computer, passing it by and heard it. And I made it for my daughter, but it wind up helping millions of people around the world. And um, wow. that's one of my, my one of my proudest songs that I've that mm -hmm. I've written. Where can we find it? Um, you can just, um live like a warrior, and okay. it's, the mm -hmm. artist is Matis Yahoo. Matis Yahoo. Okay. Yes. Okay. So um, you touched on a couple of things. I want us to go into frequency, into, you know, more in depth into some of the things you said. You, did you say the war of intellect um, or the war of the minds that were the battle that's taking place? So we're going to take a quick commercial break. Um, and then we're going to go further into this conversation. Thank you for what you've been getting, what you gave us so far. We'll Thank be right you. back after this commercial. You're tuned into the Vantage Point. Royal Breakthrough Hair and Beauty is presenting our natural hair care line, which will provide your hair with all the nutrients needed for stronger and healthier hair. With natural ingredients such as avocado oil, jojoba oil, nettle oil, and many more included in our products, your hair is sure to flourish and grow to its full potential. Purchase your Royal Breakthrough Hair Care products today at www.royalbreakthrough.com and enjoy the full Royal Breakthrough experience. African Holocaust Month, International African Holocaust Month. It's coming up October 1st. It begins for 31 days. You know, for those, it will be four Saturdays, the 8th, the 15th, 22nd, and the 29th of October. But that International African Holocaust Month is a special time. Also, we're telling people, send in the name of your relatives who have passed that you want to be on the wall of remembrance. You can get your bracelet. Send in the name of your relative. African Holocaust Month. International African Holocaust Month. Tune in on Sunday for part three as we go even further and look at how to prepare yourself as we enter the winter solstice and be prepared as a scriptural basis of your life. Join us for our class. There is a time and season for everything under the sun. Join us on Journey Home Group or Cooper TV. See you soon. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back to the Vantage Point. Again, we have with us today Jack Knight, the hit maker, and he's been dropping some jewels on us today. So we want to speak a little bit more about frequency because I think a lot of people don't understand the music that they listen to has a frequency that can either be destructive or um, or not destructive. So yes. can you tell us how frequency, how important it is? How do we know? Because I, I didn't even know you can look up and see what frequency or what song has a specific frequency. So how does that work? Can you explain that to our audience that may not be familiar with this topic? Yes. So basically, you know, you have different different levels of music. If you run it through, they have certain gadgets and meters. You can play, you, can, you know, order it from Amazon. You can play any song and it can tell you how many megahertz where frequency is on. Sometimes it's 44, sometimes it's, you know, it's different type of different type of stuff like that. But more importantly, I think for me is if, if you're a person of light, if you have light, it's Trent, you know what it feels, you know what a drill song feels like versus what a Michael Jackson Hill a World song feels like. It's mm -hmm. a feeling. And it's almost like practicing using those type of chords, those chord progressions and those guitar licks. Like, you know, for instance, like blues is on a blues frequency. It was a frequency that they was making, talking about, oh man got a oh woman got out. So it was like it was it was talking about their society what was going on with different things in relationships. So the blues, which R&B comes from rhythm and blues music, 
um, which was the original rock and roll music, as we know. And I think, you know, the frequency of music and the hertz of the music, there's ways, you know, if you get into your studio and get into production and um, making songs, that's something you can be aware of. If you're a young mm -hmm. producer up and coming, you can be aware of what frequency the music is on, how many megahertz is on. And they have, you know, all on YouTube, you can see all the different various meditational uh, sounds and frequencies and chants. They're all in this high register and megahertz. And it's really, you know, keeping the balance. Your, your music doesn't have to be that way all the time, but, a, you know, a good balance, you know, mm -hmm. since God loves a good balance, you know what I mean? Yeah. A good yeah. weight. And mm -hmm. um, a lot of our ancestors always had the, you know, the scales, the noting that weight. And I think that's the main thing. You know, everybody has different ways of expressing art and providing finances for their family. And I'm not trying to stop that, but we're definitely at war. A lot of young African-American males are dying as we speak, being killed, mm -hmm. jury for train, for chains. Uh, people are going to jail for the RICO law, their lyrics and their music is being mm -hmm. used. So at some point you have to start planting seeds, planting the seeds of change. And I think um, Afrobeats is starting with that. Um, Kendrick Lamar, he's a rapper. A lot of his songs sonically are really high level in that megahertz positive frequency, frequencies for change. So, you mm -hmm. know, there's a few people out there doing it. And I feel with um, shows like this and just having more success, I think the tide is, you know, is going to turn and um, be more balanced. Okay. Now, I don't want to be repetitive, but I want to be very clear um, because in my opinion, you know, we have intentional uh, destructive music um, that is being broadcasted every day. So does these young producers, you say young producers can learn about the frequencies, but does most of the artists nowadays, are they intentionally um, constructing music with low frequency on low frequency ways um, alongside the messaging? Or are you saying they kind of just go in the studio, they just do their thing and they're not really aware of what is happening on that level? I think it's, it's both. It's both things in a, in a, in a weird way. And I'm trying to see, because um, also I think you don't think, when you was 15, the same way you think when you're 30. So I think it's also mm -hmm. brain development, you know? Okay. And I think when you have a person who's young like Tupac, you know, and he has the power to influence and make music, but his brain is not fully developed. Okay. Then he's going to lean towards wherever he's at in life. You know what I'm saying? And replicating that, you know what I'm saying? Some, some people. So I think it's, I don't want to say, hey, you know, what is the conspiracy theories that they're actively putting chants in the music, but sometimes they you know, and um, going back to my early days of studying is, you know, there's a word in, in Genesis that speaks about a word, it's called Nesela, which means a seed. Okay. So yeah, not everybody is trying to make bad music, but some people just are from a more destructive seed. Okay. Yes. You know, they're, they're from a more disagreeable strain of people. They're not bad people. They're just disagreeable. And I think the music also reflects who the person is. Stevie Wonder's music reflected who he was, you know, mm -hmm. inside, what seed he came from. So you see the you see the natures of and tribes of people through their music and what they're making and, and what happens to them when they make the music. It's death, it's destruction, it's, it's, it's suicide, it's killing, it's murder. And I think for me, I don't have proof per se, but it seems like in the spiritual realm, there, or they said the quantum, the quantum universe, the quantum world, there seems to be some type of sacrificial element hmm. that's necessary for something else to happen good. Hmm. And to me, it's just, you know, I can be, it's just my perception. I have no proof, but it's just always like some, something has to die for hmm. something that has to live or some blood has to be shed for something to happen. And I, and, um, it's just like, you know, back from the Mexican days and the Incas and the Aztecs was always some cutting and some blood. And it was always, 
in the Bible, Abraham was about to kill his son, then he was stopped. And just, you know, all of these different things always require blood, some type of blood sacrifice. And it's like, you know, uh rapper gets killed, or you know, and then his cells, his streams go up. You mm -hmm. know, so I mm -hmm. think there's principalities of darkness in high places, and I don't think it's just high places with the uh Jeffrey Epstein's or the Weinstein's. I think it's a spiritual. There's a spiritual war going on outside of the mm -hmm. body in a quantum field. And I think yeah. that's why it's necessary to eat, eat right foods. It's, it's necessary to, to work out, to meditate, to prayer, to pray. And so you can have and be able to maintain and control those energies mm -hmm. as well. And a mm -hmm. lot of that, you know, if you're not young and you don't get it, sometimes it takes time for you to get it. But I, but I definitely, mm -hmm. I think success can help all of that you know you know having music that's on the charts that makes you feel good and that's contributing something positive to society with all this climate change and all this stuff going on we don't need no more dark killing murder music so right that's, that's so, one of my life goals okay so now the, the sacrifice that you're speaking about because i'm with you there so now can this can this sacrifice take place by mainstream artists sacrificing what they see as success to then shift that energy to put forth constructive music, you know, powerful messaging um, to kind of shift that energy and sacrifice, even if somebody's gonna come after me because of what I'm saying. I, I'm gonna sacrifice through my conscious messaging that I know can reach the people. Is Do you think in your opinion, it can take place that way? Yeah, that, that's, that's, a, yeah that's a form of sacrifice, just, you mm -hmm. know, and that's, that takes work. And practice mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. um, I was speaking with a young lady the other day and I was saying, I, I said, wow, I naturally sometimes want to say this to a person and I have to overcome that emotion to say something else. And I have to keep practicing that for it to become a law in my life. I have to keep it, keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And it becomes a habit. And they got a bunch of books about that, which I know you know about making something uh taking a habit or, or, or creating new habits. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that, uh, you know, in time, yeah, you know, consciously making music that can have more positive effects on people. And, and, I, and I think, you know, that's something, you know, some artists get when they get older and some mm -hmm. artists get it depending on who their producer is because some people, some artists don't write. And some artists mm -hmm. don't make music. You know what I mean? So sometimes you have an opportunity to sh to shift and shape their sound, and they don't even know what's happening, no matter what they're into. You know what I mean? So I think that there's an opportunity there to make something hot that mm -hmm. kids can dance to, girls can still shake to, you can still go to a club to, but you know nobody won't get killed while the music is while the song is playing. Right, 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 right. I think there's, there's some opportunities there for sacrifice in that in that um in that way. Okay, now um. Basash, or a person you may know as Abdul Noor, he teaches us about, you know, life imitates art. So when you spoke about Afrobeats, do you think that's an opportunity for that form of art to then, how how would that shift or, you know, change this era? It would, do you think that would create a different, um, I guess, I want to say reflection of, you know, behavior of life through the art that is being produced? Yes, it's happening in real time every other second. I mean, these boys, you got to think, you know, when we thought of Africa when we was growing up, we thought of people with no shoes on, running around with spears, right. barely, barely clothed, they're not clothed at all, no mm -hmm. real infrastructure, always starving, flies on their face, and stuff like that. Fast forward, these kids in Ghana, in Nigeria, in Uganda and Kenya and Tanzania, these kids are dressing their butts off. Yeah. And they got some fly music. And mm -hmm. if you if you look at, say for instance, like an artist like Chris Brown and his and Wizkid, that new video, look at how Chris Brown is dressed. Not mm -hmm. only has Chris Brown merged RB music with Afrobeats, the fashion was there. And back in the days, you know, when I grew up, you know, um, my grandparents. And my great grandparents and my mom, they were sharp. They dressed nice mm -hmm. and they had fly music. And that's something that was lost. So the yeah. Africans 
are not only bringing back drums and congas and percussions and horns and bass, they're also bringing back, you know, dressing up and looking nice and custom designing your clothes. You know what I mean? You know, it's not just a dashiki no more. It's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you can take a dashiki and make a jumpsuit and make it fly. Right. And make yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, so mm -hmm. I think, so I think that's definitely happening in real time. And I, I like, for instance, I love some of the reggaeton stuff, but I think mm -hmm. reggaeton has a huge uh, niche market. Uh, it's about maybe 20% of the music market. But for African-Americans, I think Afrobeats has made of a more of an in, as a new genre of music has made a more of an impact. If you look at, okay. like I said, Chris Brown, I'm um, Young Blue. Look at mm -hmm. Young Blue's new video with um with Nicki Minaj. She's featuring okay. on She's dressed in a more Afrocentric, fly, hybrid way. And he's dressed- Oh, like I gotta see that one. I gotta see that one. Check okay. Nicki, Nicki Minaj okay. and um, Young Blue. It's a real, it's, the, it's, it's like an art, the video is actually like an art piece. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. If you mm -hmm. look at Kitty's videos, all his mm -hmm. videos are like art pieces. Look at the clothes they're wearing. These people are looking like, like, I don't, man, it's like Gucci high level, you know, Chanel, but it's not Chanel. It's something, it's, it's something their stylists are making. They're being fitted mm -hmm. and it looks amazing. So I think it's happening in real time. And I'm glad um, I was able come, to come in prior to, to be mm -hmm. part of this and part of that push to see our kids turn around from just their pants hanging down, right? Showing their ass, excuse me, showing it, you know, and 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 to now, you know, wearing bell bottoms again, but it looks so fly how they got it, and they got the little yes. beads and jewelry, yes. and um, yes. I, I really love that, and I'm glad to be a part of that. Right, and I would love for our mentality to match our conscious dress, and for everything to come together, and yes. you know, and, you know, just to bring it all together. So, from speaking with you today, and then you know, just previously speaking with you briefly on the phone to set this up. You have this energy, you know, and, and this sense of what's humility. What's up, Bashesh? I'm going to say what's up. I'm saying I've been called my, my brother since we was young. I love you. Thank you for, you know, putting me on to this podcast. Yes, he, he speaks very high of you. Yes. Um, so the energy that you have and, and this sense of humility, how are you able to keep that, that sense of self going into the industry being exposed to God knows what, because we all hear, you know, the stories about the industry um, and the horrors that come with it. So how are you able to keep that sense of self after going in? Uh, one time I, I, I opened the door, me, my mom, my mom, she was a little bit of a rebel. You know, she had, she had a house, with her, with her her parents, she could have lived in, but she chose to live, you know, move to the projects, you know, so she can be free and do her own thing. And with that freedom came some of the pitfalls that we all, some of us experienced with our parents being, um, you know, with narcotics and addiction. And she carried it real, real well for a long time, her addictions, until we eventually had to move from the projects and move to permanently my grandparents, which was a huge okay. and big change for us. But prior to that, uh, one time she had her door closed and I knocked on the door and she didn't answer and I opened the door and she was, you know, she, I guess she was, you know, she had just finished, you know, getting high. And uh, she looked at me and I said, hey, mom. She said, hey, Ty. She says, uh, I want to tell you something. He says, never be a follower like me. Don't be mm -hmm. a follower. Use your own mind. She said, I don't care where you're at, what you're doing or who's doing what you know, blaze your own trail. Mm -hmm. She said, I did enough heroin. I did enough cocaine to last you. You don't have to do it. I did it mm -hmm. for you. And that one principle, it wasn't the Bible. It wasn't the Quran. It wasn't a sermon. It was just one line. Don't be a follower. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no matter who I'm around, it could be a billionaire, it could be a trillionaire. It could be it could be the most powerful, it could be a powerful Christian teacher, no matter who it is, I still maintain a sense of myself because my mom kept embedded in me, don't be a follower, don't be a follower. Sometimes there's some things I, I, I should have did, but I just didn't do it just to keep just practicing to voice. Mm -hmm. that principle. And it's a simple principle, but it, it kept me from, you know, getting high 
on on crack or somebody putting crack in your in, in your weed or somebody right. and cocaine or you know because that's how they get people you yes know, you know you know they you know they they watch you smoking and they look at you and say wow you know you don't even know what's in your that weed or what's in mm -hmm. that cigarette or what's in that drink mm -hmm. and you know even with even with leaving drinks around i learned that you know if you leave your drink down leave it down you got in your hand if you're not holding mm -hmm. it so little yeah. tricks like that are mm -hmm. very important because drugs, alcohol, different things can destroy the whole lineage, um, of course, the disruption, your whole genealogy. And I really just, I took that. So I was able to have a sense of self, not be a follower, and just maintain my humility, you know, because I've, I've always had some success, whatever I put my mind to. And I just, no matter who I'm around, how much money they got, how much prestige they have, I just maintain what I was taught. And it, mm -hmm. so far, it's worked. You know, my kids, right. my kids yeah. are the same way. You know, people tell me that you know, just, just sweet, humble, you know, and um, just yeah, just trying to trying to make a difference in the world and do our little part. Okay, that's phenomenal. Uh, that's phenomenal. I really, really, you know, admire that. And I think, you know, all of our listeners, that's something that's a takeaway. You know, I say that to my son. I'm like, don't be a, don't be a follower, be a leader. It's definitely a takeaway. It's a small line, but it obviously yes. takes you very far. Um, yes. Now, we only have a couple minutes left, so I'll try to fit in as much as I can. Now, if you had to, because a lot of times when you're writing and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you're merging your ideas, your creativity, your life experience with that of the artist, their image, their personality, who they are, right? So if you had to, if you could create an artist, if they could literally verbatim say what you wrote, have the, the essence, you know, that, that you're giving them and everything was strictly off of how you constructed them, what would that look like? What would that sound like? What would the, the genre be? What oh, how man. would how would that be portrayed? Wow. I wow. know that's a yeah. lot. <laughs> yep. And soon they probably have an AI or something that we can actually make an artist like that right. <laughs> in, right. in the digital world. Which they which actually on that note, there was an artist named FN Mecca that was like an mm -hmm. avatar 3D animation style artist that was actually that actually went gold recently. But his makers were, you know, his makers were white and it was hmm. a black type of artist. And they, you know, they said some things with the N-word and stuff like that. And they shut that down. So hmm. um, so that is happening. But if hmm. I was able to do it, I think the artist that I would like is similar to the artist I grew up on. It's basically, for me, I would want him to be a little, a little hood, a little street. But the musicianship and the sound you know, anywhere from like Harry Styles or Prince, um, mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, uh, be, being able to dance, being able to play an instrument, whatever that mm -hmm. is, um, being able to sing as well as rap, being able mm -hmm. to mix it because I love, I love, you know, anybody that can sing and rap, mixing it up. Mm -hmm. That would kind of be my ideal artist, like almost like, you know, Chris Brown on steroids, you know, someone mm -hmm. that's, you know, that, that's a that's a multi multifaceted that can dance that can sing mm -hmm. that can play instruments that can produce that can even write because writing you know mm -hmm. when, you, when you have an artist like kitty for instance he can write too so when me okay. and him get together it's really really powerful Good. you know or yeah. sometimes i just send him an idea and before i can get to produce it or make it kitty already made the beat already and that's what mm -hmm. happened to the song touch it okay. you know I sent, him, I sent him my idea for the beat and I didn't get him. The, I didn't get him the actual files fast enough. So he went and just made the beat. And it's, it's a, it was a crazy song. So that's the advantages. So I like the art. Like I have an artist like that. Kind of like how Kitty is now. Like kind of you know, have he has some foundation with his Ghanaian sound and Afro beats and high life music, as they call it in Ghana. And he also can do the R and B thing, and he can play. And he can play guitar. So I think. Kitty is really like the start is my my ideal male artist mm -hmm. for a female. Uh, same thing. I would love you know Sade, mm -hmm. you know love her to be you know be sexy and sensual, but she don't gotta have everything out. You right. know Sade was just right. her music was sexy, her voice texture and tone yeah. was sexy, mm -hmm. her lipstick was sexy, but she didn't have to have you everything have to out. Do more. Yes. She didn't have to do that. And you know I'm not a, you know it's all about balance, but that's my ideal artist with Sade but also can sing like, you know, 
like Alicia Keys or sing like uh, Roberta Flack or, you know, have the range and the voice. Yeah. Okay. Now, what would this in two to three lines, what would their messaging be? Like if you had this, if you had to send a message right now that will reach the masses and what would that be? What would that message be? I would say if you want to start, you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to start your own business. If you want to be in the music business, if you want to build something or do something and you don't have the capacity to do it at the moment financially, I think for me, the most powerful thing that I use over and over again in my 49 years on this planet is going to some, going to a space that the Indians call, call Shunya. Shunya is zero, but hmm. within zero, within darkness, there's infinite possibilities. And those possibilities don't start in the physical because 99% of everything we see is only 1% or less or what everything is in, in a quantum field. So you have to go to the quantum field and the way you go to the quantum field for me has always go, been going to that dark place where I'm sitting in the basement, whether I'm going through depression, someone passed away, someone didn't do something they said he was gonna do for me. I always just go to that space, that zero space, that dark mm. space, that meditation space and just plant seeds in that realm. Hey, this mm. is what I wanna do you know, God or whoever you, you know, whatever, this is what I want to do. And you plant those seeds and you water the seeds and you give the seeds sunlight and somehow things begin to manifest mm -hmm. in the flesh, you know, cause everything that we think eventually becomes a thing. You know what I'm saying? This Yankees hat, this furniture, everything right. was a thought in someone's mm -hmm. mind and whatever venture I want to do, whether it's start my own label, whether it's write a film, write a script, I keep going to that space, that space we all are born from where we're alone and we lock in and put our, put our intentions in the universe and work and work it. And I feel that's very important. And I, I think yes, meditation, yeah, yeah. working towards your mm -hmm. goals, taking your time, seed time and harvest, keep watering the plant and um, keep digging down, keep digging mm -hmm. down. And eventually you should get to where you need to get. Yes, see, that's powerful. I wish we had the time because now we're talking quantum physics. We're talking. I gotta spiritual. come back. You gotta bring me back. You gotta come back. I gotta bring you back. You gotta bring you back. So now we are Yes, we are reaching the end of this segment. But please, definitely join us again before you go. And and I've I've been told that you're going to be a part of African Holocaust Month. So before you go, can you let us know what you're going to be bringing to the table? Anything that you got going on right now? Any projects? Where can people, you know, where should they go? What should they look for to see the new releases, to see Kitty? Yeah. Just give us all the information, please. Yeah, so basically uh, right now, we got we got an um, a EP out now by Kitty. It's called Foreplay. Okay. And uh, we have a video out now called um, Champagne. Our new video is already at 1.6 million views in a few days. Uh, mm -hmm. the catalog, his catalog is beautiful. We worked on another album prior to this called The Golden Boy. A lot of nice jams on there. Um, um, we still may put some videos out from that album as well. So we just got a lot of content moving around. Check Kitty out, K-I-D-I. And um, for me, you can, you can find me on the internet um, mostly as Jack Knight, the legend. Just uh, mm -hmm. how it sounds on Instagram. And pretty much for me, I think um, I have so much music and there's not enough artists to cut the music. So there's actually a project that I'm working on, an album for myself. Um it's a, actually a soundtrack album. It's called Alien from East New York. Okay. And um, it's, it's, really, it's really a cool album. You're going you're to get to hear all my influences on that project. Everything from sounds of the Ud, chanting, R&B, Afrobeat, um, uh, even a little bit of, you know, a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit. But the album's okay. going to be accompanied by a film that we're, we're going to um, be showcasing at Cannes in uh, 2020, uh, 2024. So um, in, in, uh, the film is the same type, title, Alien from East New York. So that's something I'm diligently working on. Um, it's going to be an art piece. And 
yeah, that's about it, you know, and, you know, yeah, just, just okay. staying, staying creative. So let and, us know when that comes out. Pass the message along so we could, uh, that sounds very interesting. Oh, um, yes. And we definitely, you know, we definitely have to invite, you know, some people, you know, from your from your team, your company out, you know, even the cans, you know, even the friends. Yes, that, that, that would be wonderful. Cool. Yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate you coming on. It's been truly an honor and we're looking forward to having you back next time. Everyone tuning in, you know, listen, go check out Kitty, look at the information here below and just support, you know, support. I think we all have so much to take away from the message today. Um, and until next week, as we always say, love is love. Peace. Peace. Thanks for having me. Righteous Jews. Thank you. Okay. Peace.